from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Bonjour, le frère. Le, uh, I forgot how to say friends in French, but uh, <laughs> mon ami, that's right. My French is really, uh, has gotten really rusty. Four years of French and, and all I know how to say is, oui, bonjour, je m'appelle James, comment allez-vous? J'ai joué le football. Et je voudrais un double espresso. <laughs> I've got my double espresso right here, Philippe. Don't threaten me. Um, yeah. All right, y'all. Welcome to an awesome show here. We've got a, we've got a really great Friday conversation coming to all y'all. We're going to be talking threat intel. So all of you threat intel geeks, nerds, and uh, enthusiasts and others, uh, thank you for joining me and my good friend Philippe here um, from the other side of the pond, uh, beautiful France. Um, what's happening, buddy? How's it going? Thanks for being on Thank the show. I'm so happy to be here. Well, what's happening is that we have a lot of activity on the radar right now, as you saw in the news. It's very interesting what's unfolding. So um, I have funny reports of you know people wondering why there are so many new IPs all of a sudden popping on the radar, and uh, we are all very thrilled about the you know what's happening. Yeah, it's you know so for for everyone kind of getting an idea. We're recording this a day after Microsoft and the whole world kind of let us know China's been trawling critical infrastructure in the U.S. and across Asia for the last two years in a in in, in a layoff the land type of uh, 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 technique, kind of an undetected technique. And, and you know, I've I'm, I'm I'm Felipe. I'll tell you this, man. I'm I'm I've said that the West is a death by a thousand cuts by our adversaries, right? Because little by little they just pick at different things, and little by eventually they hit an artery, right? You know, you can you ever watch like one a good Tarantino movie like Kill Bill, right? With the swords, they're constantly hitting each other until you finally chop someone's head off or you hit an artery, and then they die. The fight scene's over. I feel like China's with the sword, and we're just getting cut and bleeding in different places, and we're hoping they don't hit an artery. But hitting critical infrastructure would nick an artery. What are your thoughts on what what's the threat intel world looking at? China's activities, especially over the last, you know, year or so since Russia kind of invaded Ukraine in February of last year to now, um, China's kind of been prepping its own little exercise to go after Taiwan. What, 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 are, what are you seeing in the threat intel world around that? Well, I think, James, we are in the exact gray zone war, you know, this place where you don't have no dead bodies on the field. You don't have no destruction of values of houses, of compounds on real estate or whatever. If you have a, a weapon like, a, say, an atomic bomb, right? You can say that you will launch it, but you will never in the end because it would sign the death of your country. It's a frontier. It's a line drawn in the sand. You just don't do this. It's too destructive. Now, what is the opposite in the spectrum? Cyber war. Cyber warfare doesn't kill anyone or usually doesn't kill anyone, right? It's about you know, taking the upper hand on your opponent. And it's a great war because you don't have to make any war declaration before going after your target. So it's a war that everybody is fighting, U.S. included, don't get me wrong. But China has been a very prominent actor on this field for as long as I can recall. Already like 10 years ago, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if the guys around the, the, the table in the audience remember that there was this huge BGP uh, session stealing, right? So what they right. did, they, they actually said, I am Google. 
I am Microsoft, I am whatever American company you can think, so that when the computer were making requests, actually they would end up into a Chinese node that would obviously be uh, listened to in the hope of getting passwords or secrets or whatever. So they've been doing this forever. It's just they have been ramping up lately because they feel threatened around uh, Taiwan and reciprocally, obviously. And um, they use this weapon to the maximum. So are they very dangerous? I wouldn't say it's, it's very different from usual. Okay, that's, a very, uh, that's another point of view. Yes, the magnitude is different, but what do you expect? We speak China here. They're so, just talking about ever. So I just want to let all of our audience know that Felipe and I, Felipe and I don't always agree. We're still friends, and yeah. we see each other. We'd still have an espresso. We still ask about each other's families, and we still love each other. I and and, and I think this is where I I, I, I a bit disagree, because I'll t I'll tell you why I I, I kind of disagree with this with this point. And feel free to correct me once I make once I make my point if you feel like I'm off. The, the difference between what's China been doing over the last 10 years to what China's doing now over the last year and three months, 15 months, right? February was when Russia invaded Ukraine. China kind of stood on the sideline for 30 days because the world was busy with Russia and the Ukraine, kind of watched global response, right? And then yeah. what, China, what China's done around global response is they've done a few different things that, that I think most people in cybersecurity ignore, but being that I'm a former Intel guy, you know, military intelligence and so forth, I know I kind of tend to look at the whole picture. So here's what China's done in the last 15 months. And here's why I think this is concerning. One, they've gathered bricks. Bricks, for those who don't know, that's, that's Brazil, Russia, India, um, South Africa, and China. Okay. And they've all agreed to establish a joint currency for trade in between them so it's no longer U.S. dollar. That essentially absolves them from any U.S. sanctions because the way the West, the way the EU, the U.S. and, and NATO and the West sanctioned Russia in, in the early days was no longer trade U.S. dollars. You can't fly your planes into our airports. You can't do any of these things. And so what they've done now is they've established kind of a credo uh, over the last several weeks of a one currency for trade in between those five nations, understanding that no matter what China does or what Russia does, they've got their own trade currency that can't be sanctioned, right? That can't be sanctioned. And India can set up separate companies that can go on a sanction list, but they can trade under, you know, name one here and, and trade under a different name in different locations of India. And no one would be any of the wiser for the most part, right? Especially when they're not having joint leadership, joint bank accounts the whole night. They've also really increased the way they're targeting um, um, critical infrastructure across uh, uh, Western, uh, Western, uh, sorry, Eastern Europe, um, having Russia do some of their bidding. They've also gotten Iran uh, really upbeat when it when it comes to their cyber activities. After you know Iran for for a few years went kind of silent, now they're back. And, and, and a very predatory cyber actor. They always were, but for a little bit, they lost some of that edge, some of that skill. Um, and so, and now this, this is kind of like the call for war for me, right? Troll critical infrastructure. I'm going to invade Taiwan. I'm going to kill uh, the, the, the power grid and kill the communications in Guam, which is the forward-facing base for the U.S. and, 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 and its Asian Pacific allies uh, in the event they need to defend Taiwan probably knock out electricity in virginia maryland uh california and the west coast so so you're really disabling any sort of response potentially putting alaska as well 
in that in that list. So you really eliminate any sort of Asian response, timely Asian response. That and 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 everything they've been doing has been practicing invading the island and capturing it within three to four days. So you would assume that if they can knock off the power grid for three to five days, that would give them enough time to grab a foothold on Taiwan without any resistance and thus really disable any sort of defense of the island and of 90% of the semiconductor manufacturing in the world that China at that point would completely control. But you do think U.S. doesn't have the same retaliatory possibilities? They are not bad at it. They are ready for it. They have the exact same uh, uh, mirroring capacities of shutting down a lot of uh, Chinese uh, capacities. This is what I hope, at least for U.S., and that's pretty much sure on my end that they do. Now, back to your first point, currency. Well, it's not ready by a long mile. They have not enough reserves by a long mile. Dollar is the main currency world out. Uh, Euro is going second. Before people go for the yuan, they will have to establish trust. And China has a real hard time establishing trust with its allies. Um, And, you know, most of the U.S. debt is in the hand of Chinese. Anyway, you know, when you print $1 in the U.S., 90% 90% of it is owned by Chinese debt, but, but the U.S. debt is owned by Chinese. Well, China buys buys U.S. government bonds, right? Yeah. Like so they don't they own the debt, the they're, they're buying the bonds. Yeah, yes. so if they want to crash dollar tomorrow, they can. And by the way, they can set up front companies, you know, doing this in dollars without it being stamped China or India or whatever. So I think this is all, you know, uh, being very loud on something that is not so realistic on the short term at least. Now, Critical infrastructure targeting is new. I agree with you. And this is, I think, bilateral. Now, the problem is I'm fairly certain and confident this is Chinese behind. Okay, fine. Now, how do we know? How do you make attribution? Oh, because the IPs come from China? I'm a French citizen. I go on AWS US, I rent a server, and I attack South Africa. US attacks South Africa. Ha! No, it's the French doing it. And now next, how do you know this is a group that is Chinese? They don't say they are. They don't say their name. They don't say they work for the government. They don't say nothing about it. We imply that this is China because it serves their interest. Now, it could be a false flag attack. can be anyone else. Attribution in this field, I'm not saying it's not them. I'm just saying attribution in this field is extremely complex. Well, Microsoft detailed the attribution, right? They've detailed the TTPs and IOCs. And yeah. the signatures within what they found trolling the critical infrastructure in Guam. And, and you know, they found what? IPs? That doesn't mean nothing. No, no. The, 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 no, no. They found the, the malware itself. Hashes? Hashes? No, no, the, the, the malware itself yeah. in the back doors yeah, yeah. Match, match previous samples that we know were exactly. Chinese. Exactly. 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 And it can absolutely be a false flag. And, 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 and Microsoft did say moderate certainty. They never said we're 100, exactly. they didn't say 100% certainty, they said moderate yeah. certainty. I think it's very important to know. Yeah, and that's the point. This is grey on war because you don't get caught. You can use someone else's malware and they have the same hash and show the same patterns because they are known. We all have those uh, samples, right? So Russian can do it, uh, Lebanon can do it, South Korea can do it. Anyone can act like they are Chinese. So attributing 100% to Chinese, and again, I'm not saying they're not doing it. This is really important because they have the most motivation to do it. But even Microsoft says, we have a mild confidence in this. So before triggering a button, you would need a, certain, a level of certainty that is magnitude higher, right? And this well, is where the Five Eyes confirmed that it's China, right? The Five Eye Intelligence Group confirmed that. I'm not saying I believe them, right? 
I, I question everything that typically comes from government yeah. as any any logical person would. Um, but anyway, it's not enough to trigger a response, which is sad. But this well, is you can't trigger a response. Here, here's the thing, though. I, I talked about it on, on 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 my show this morning, right? What kind of response can you trigger to cyber? Exactly. Do you, if you hack back, you, you risk the risk of escalation. It's 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 almost like you know. They launch a missile. I launch a missile back. They launch then two <laughs> missiles. What I need, and then eventually, is it an all-out war? Right? There's, there's, there's a level to be. There, there's response needs to be kind of calculated. But you know, China holds a lot of U.S. debt, but the U.S. is China's largest customer. <laughs> yeah. So you have balls of each other in the hands, right. right? And the other problem is we speak war, but it's more secret services. No, 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 no. It, is rather you using cyber uh, activity as a secret service weapon, whereas China is very officially using it as an army. And I'm, let me give you a reference on this. Please. Back 10 years, I got to see one of the top-notch guys of FireEye. He, he came to France to explain the banks what they need to use FireEye, whatever. The guy was a former CIA officer, very high-ranking. And he said, you know what? We have, we have absolute certainty that there is half a million by then half a million, so you can count a million now, half a million Chinese in the ranks of the army that are solely dedicated to hacking, to cyber criminality, right? Whether it's uh, for, you know, the eyes of the one seeing it may differ and you put a different tag on the name that what they are doing, but they have half a million people within the rank of the army doing this. Now in the US, it's different. You use it as a secret service. So you don't go all out showing what you can do, Whereas China is going all out showing what they can do. And if US need to retaliate, they will be subtle on this. They will not launch a missile. They, the moment they need to trigger, they will pull the trigger. But at the last, very last minute, so the enemy doesn't know. Whereas China is very, you know, outgoing and very visible in what they Well, doing. I don't think China wanted to be visible in this last attack, right? They were discovered by Microsoft um, um, through, through, in fact, uh, I spoke to several people I know from Microsoft uh, since the report came out. And of all said, like we would have never picked it up unless these two people started looking into something that that seemed anomal anomalous to them. Started mm -hmm. looking into it and found it no different than Solar Winds, right? Solar Winds was the same way. China does like to lay of like to lay low. China does like to kind of sit back and 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 operate in in a similar way the U.S. does, um, which is don't know I'm in there until I press a button and take everything offline, or until I'm ready and it serves my purpose. Um, I agree with you that the U.S. has likely similar capabilities, if not better, or 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 at the same level. My, my concern isn't that. My my concern is the fact that it took critical infrastructure is highly regulated, right? And, and you and I were talking regulation before we started a recording. Um, I work in critical infrastructure now, very very tightly regulated industry when it comes to to pricing and improvements and, and all kinds of different things that you can do it's also an industry that relies on 40 50 year old technology right i mean a lot of the power plants all over the world are still running on 40 50 year old gas turbines <laughs> that, that supply power um because the cost of replacing them is, is very very expensive and 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 that introduces legacy technology that introduces legacy risks to existing infrastructure and when you're trying to improve performance and efficiency and you're trying to comply with all these different regulations, you tend to introduce more technology that introduces a, a greater attack surface. So the question is, you know, you kind of look at this and you go, well, 
we're, we're regulatory framework is 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 supposed to sort of prevent or deter this type of stuff but it's not really in your world do you think regulations really gonna solve this problem as governments regulate more power I companies you think it's gonna solve more, solve more? i mean uh, on that front no because you know let's let's look at the ban for example we all agreed to ban uh, uh chemical weapons because we said it's uh, the the shittiest way of dying on the battlefield it's unfair right so nobody uses or supposedly nobody uses chemical weapons anymore uh right there are very few countries doing it and i've been caught well, doing it. well we know syria used chemical weapons syria, on people during the arab spring russia to to you know kill specific people and so on but mostly you don't sit on the battlefield and i don't think like china and usa would use in any way any chemical on the battlefield same goes for uh the uh, nuclear weapons you just don't use them but we could not issue a ban on those technological warfare, neither on AI or whatever, you know, that, that you don't use it in an aggressive way. There are people actually, as we speak, training offensive AI, and I know it for a fact. They are learning exactly in the same way like LLM are working based on the large number of attacks seen and a num large number of methods, and they are learning and rehearsing and training their AI, and they are becoming good at it, right? There's no ban you can issue on that. No country will say, we don't want to get a chance of fighting this war. The day we lose it, okay, we'll be okay for a ban. So they are either a loser or a big-time winner that can issue a ban. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, you and I were talking regulatory. I've yet to see a government regu regulation stop a data breach or stop a data leak. Um, Just and, never and, happened. And, no. <laughs> it hasn't happened. The fact is... Um, when when you look at the kind of the landscape of this week, and and you know, for us in the U.S., Philippe, something else happened this week as well, which is the the uh, government auditing office, the GAO, um, did a cloud security audit on on six major agencies uh, in the government and found that they all failed it, including the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, uh treasury was another one of those you know the people that manage the u.s's money uh failed their cloud security audit so was agriculture and transportation and a few others right so my, my concern comes to the fact that when we look at critical infrastructure by definition and i mean by western definition right the u.s french british australian definition of critical infrastructure it's not just electricity oil and gas it's also aviation it's also trains it's public uh, public transportation systems. It's also financial services and financial technologies, um, hospitals and healthcare. Um, and so when you kind of look at all of this and you realize the governments are failing their own audits across, and it's not just, it's, it's not exclusively in America. No, no. Uh, the same has happened in, 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 in the EU. Many EU nations have failed. Um, their, their cyber, their cyber audits, uh, from a government perspective. Um, and, and that kind of gets me, uh, you know, to to question whether or not we even have um, a chance when you've got China now that has, let's say, let's let's go with the modest. They've got five hundred thousand soldiers um, that are part of their their cyber unit, right? Even in Israel, right, the largest military unit in Israel is eighty two hundred. Their cyber unit, right? It's not their their military battle units. Yeah, those guys you know, hmm. have, have a pretty decent team, but the, one of the biggest 
units in, in Israel's military is 8,200. Um, so you kind of look at that and you go, everyone's investing in cyber because they realize that's really the next big, big frontier. And meanwhile, we can't even get our own houses in order. I'm not saying China does, right? No, but I'm saying that China doesn't audit itself and publish their results, right? We live in democracies. We live where these results and there's accountability to the people. China does not, China could be in a worse position than we are. But we're constantly seeing China and Russia and Iran and North Korea successfully accomplish cyber espionage, uh, ransomware, financial theft. So so at some point we have to say... And it's not about to stop, you know, sorry to say, but look, if if you speak about critical infrastructure, in the first place, it should be separated from your uh, internet-facing network. That's the most basic thing you can do. But anyway, we all in the world rely on Chinese manufacturing, right? So tomorrow, if you stop having cameras, you have a chance to resist. If you have a camera, it's Chinese, and the firmware has been made in China. Now you hope it's not rigged. 4G, same. 5G, same. Your router, your, 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 the least component you have in your network, nine out of 10 have been manufactured in China. And you hope to resist a potential action from China. Now, the good thing is for you guys and for us and for everyone that, yes, they have a great firewall. So coming from outside, from the internet, it's really hard to get in. Now, if you are inside China trying to hack other facilities, their level of cybersecurity internally is very low. So it's not like if it's a one-way street, but we accepted that there is an inherent risk in giving all our production of physical goods and processors and firmwares to China. And we live with it now. But that's the Taiwan thread, right? Because most yeah. of the chips are not produced in China, right? 90% of... Uh, uh, the high end. Right? Yeah. It, it's the a- high end one, yeah. They are produced in Taiwan, uh, which is why also Chinese want to get a grip on, on the world biggest manufacturer of those. By the way, interesting thing, most of the, uh, the, the bench that are producing those high end components, they're actually coming from um, Netherlands. Uh, and those are very, very precisely uh, calibrated, as you can imagine, when you work at the nano. And the thing is, they had a quake back in the days in Taiwan. And so they wanted to order more of them because some of them were twisted and they had to replace them and ramp up their production capacities, which is related to you know, the shortage of components we had two years ago and last year even. And the Netherlands just could not produce more and faster. So we have a bottleneck here, right? We, we do. They're not allowed to export to China, those guys, either. So, you know, Chinese want to have those production capacities. Now, whether it's for rigging them in, and turning them into weapons against us or just having the uh, upper end. The control. The, having the control, control of production, yeah. right, yeah. gives you political power. Yes. Right? If, 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 you know, you tell a population, you know, and, and we, we overconsume in the West. I'm a strong believer in the fact that we are overconsumers, right? Um I've been to every single European country and every almost every single European country, I'll say, and almost every single major city in Europe. And they all seem the same to me no matter where I go. And I don't take offense to this, please. But they all have an H&M, a Carrefour, a Zara, uh, a McDonald's, a Starbucks, right? <laughs> um, and, and to me that, you know, to me that was kind of taking away the charm of what used to be, you know, the, 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 the old cities into the over-consuming. And, and, and the moment you control semiconductors and manufacturing and the moment you can limit export is the moment you 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 really hit our, our over-consumption. Now, 
is that a good or a bad thing? We can have that discussion. I think that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, um, Philippe, one thing I'm, I'm encouraged about is what, what CrowdSec does. And I'll tell you why. You guys are about numbers, right? And communities coming together. So um, tell, our, tell our audience a little bit about CrowdSec and kind of your vision behind it. Because as an entrepreneur, you kind of went down a different path than a lot of other people have. You kind of went open source community path. And yeah, um, and I, I would say that's suicidal, but <laughs> you don't have as much gray hair as I do. So I'm <laughs> guessing you're doing something better than me. Yeah, so, well, uh, I'm trying at least. Uh, the, the thinking is the following. If we want to fold, if we want to curb this trend of cybersecurity being the global weakness of everyone, healthcare, retail, uh, retail industry, anyone, we want to have a way of fighting back. We speak of right. hundreds of thousands of cyber criminals, but we are more legitimate users than cyber criminals. We outnumber them 10,000 to one. So the question is, how do you federate them? And the first thing is federation is it has to cost nothing. It has to be free. If Waze would have cost just $1 back in the days, it would not ever become Waze at all. It's because it's free that it was successful. So that's why CrowdSec needs to be free because adoption then becomes a magnitude higher. And we want to defend by the numbers, as you say, James. So what is the point? If your uh, machine detects an attack using our software, our security engine, it will block it. It's based on behavior. So if someone is trying to guess your password, it will block it from guessing your password. If someone is trying to rig your MFA or scanning your website, scanning your open ports, uh, you, you know, we have 90 different um, type of behaviors we block. Now you block it, you're safe. But the twist is the following. You share these IOCs with us. You share the IP that was aggressive, the timestamp, and the behavior it had. And now what we do is on the global level, we curate those signals. And if enough people are vetting that, yes, we saw the same thing, we saw the same IP address having the same behavior, then we can establish a real-time global block list, you know, hindering the production capacities. Because, you know, IP addresses, switching IP addresses is not so easy. I mean, it takes time, it takes resources, and both now down to the same thing, money. And, um, you know, we are fighting an economical war against cybercrime. So altogether, we're establishing global block list. Right now, it's around 60,000 IP addresses, which are the most nefarious from the internet. You block them at your doorstep before they even knock at your door. And that's why we need to be open source for, you know, having no... Uh, friction to adoption. And then, of course, we have a business model above that. Yeah. See, so I love that because I, I, I really believe in the open source model. Uh, and, 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 and a lot of people do as well, right? I think they find the challenge in how do, you, how do you authenticate a lot of open source users coming in? One of the bigger things for me is, is obviously, right? Um, uh, Trust. Yeah. Trust, you have to establish a trust model. You know, we have 200,000 installs. And what do these people think when they install the product? They know the promise. Because open source has long been thought or perceived as a one-way street. We give you something and we're all happy. We are monks, we live from edible moss in the forest, blah, 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 bullshit, right? The reality is if you want something to be really uh, sustainable as a model, you need to have a fair trade with your community. I tell my community, you know what? I'm going to give you a high-end software, extremely efficient at folding the attacks you're meeting every day. And in return, you're going to give me signals. This is all I ask for. 
software against signals. So the deal is very clear with my community. That's why open source is not a problem here. It's a virtue. You can trust me. I show you everything. I show you my cards. I show you my business model. I show you the code. You can trust it and you can use it in any way you want, any way you see fit. And it will still be there 20 years from now because we have a sustainable model. I love that. If, if, if anyone here hasn't checked out CrowdSec, you should. Um, you know, anytime you can get open source Intel um, is, is, is huge. How many sick, I love the fact that you're drinking a Heineken. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I had an espresso. It's, it's, I mean, we're, it, it, it's, it's Heineken time for you. It's not for me, man. I'm still on coffee time, right? I'm still on coffee time. I can't have one until lunch and lunch is still a few hours away for me. Um, don't, don't apologize for having a, a drink on the show ever. Um, I firmly believe in, and when I started this podcast, Philippe, I, I, I firmly believe, firmly believe that I want people to be who they are. I didn't want to do manufactured personas. In fact, I don't have manufactured personas on the show. I have, you know, people always come pitch me guests. They're like, you know, so-and-so, and they've been in three-letter agencies, and they've done this and this, and they're like manufactured persona. Give me someone who's got a real passion to doing this, right? They're not trying to manufacture a persona, they are who they are, wherever they are. You know, it's what I love about Chris Roberts. It's what I love about a lot of different people in our industry. They are who they say they are, mm. right? Looking at, you know, your open source uh, um, um, platform, how many signals a day are, are exchanged through the platform? So every violation of any scenario gives a signal, right? So it's an IP, a timestamp, and a behavior that has been tried by the IP address. We receive roughly 40 million signals wow. per day due to the size of the community. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's, but that's the beauty. That's what I love about the cybersecurity community, right? As a whole, when you think of what happened post COVID, right? Right. As COVID kind of took place, you had a bunch of different groups come together to help hospitals and, and facilities that, that had no way of defending themselves from cyber or, or kind of, you know, telehealth come in and, and volunteer and give people free tools and give people free advice and set them up so that we can do that. And that was global, right? Um, and, and seeing this is, is even more exciting. Um, it just, it just reaffirms the fact that, um, good, good guys always prevail. It's just a matter of time and it, yeah. it's, it's the confidence of, of that. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting in this model is we are dealing with ingress, right? So people coming from outside into your network, into your exposed workloads. And since we are the only one doing it on ingress almost and on the behavior standpoint, we see things that nobody else sees, right? That other CTI feed are not aware of. And some of them are comparing our data source with their own. And they see that there is only a 10% overlap. Everything else is new to them. And that's great because we bring something new at the table in the CTI world. And that's what we are proud of. Yeah, I'm a firm believer, by the way, in, in the open source model. Always have, always will be. Um, I, I will also tell you that, you know, learning more about open source communities like 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 CrowdSec has is is valuable. And if you're you're a practitioner, it's even more valuable because it's an additional free source to validate the data you see through your own thread. Even if you pay for a thread intel tool, it's a validation tool, if nothing else. Um, and sometimes, by the way, you know, um, communities um and, and and open source communities are are ahead of some vendors you pay a lot of money for yeah <laughs> um, uh, no, especially 
the feed is uh, is accessible, uh, uh, some vendors are actually reselling our feed without standing. We know because we put canary in there, you know, we know our own IPs and they're reporting them like, oh, those IPs are a threat. Guys, have you thought about attributing this to us? By the way, if you want to search for an IP address, you can go on our website, crowdsec.net. There's a search bar and for free, we'll tell you what we know about it. Mind you. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, um, Philippe, we're almost out of time. How can people get a hold of you? You said crowdsec.net. But yes. if someone wants to, to interact with you, what's the best way? Twitter, LinkedIn? GitHub. Hey, this is a home of open source. And, uh, and Discord, yeah. GitHub and Discord are really our main uh, touch points. Uh, obviously, the website can help you around. But uh, don't hesitate to contribute, to install the software, adopt it, use it, challenge it. We're open-minded to all of this because, yeah, we are open source. I love it. Um, gang, I'll tell you this. Um, when, when you look at the security community, you often hear about people trying to break into cyber and trying to find tools. And threat intel is one of those very fascinating fields that a lot of people want to break into. Open source communities are a great way to get your foot in the door. Going to CrowdSec, downloading, playing around, contributing, doing some research, seeing how other people find it, going and digging on your own and posting more information that you may or may not find to validate the information that you're looking for, to, to, to look at your research techniques is is also just as critical if not more critical than 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 anything that anyone else does and our entire community you know um whether whether you're you're um uh, a red team a blue team whether you're uh, a threat intel analyst or whether you're a CISO, um you know we never know everything i don't think any of us know everything and and we rely on each other yeah um, you know, I did red teaming, I did blue teaming. I think red, red was the most funny moment in my life. I love being red team. Uh, now, blue is righteous. Blue is doing the job. Blue is protecting. And I feel like it's, it's good to feel like a knight, you know. Every, every once in a while, um, playing defense is fun, and every once in a while, playing offense is fun. But I am, I am grateful uh, for the opportunity to, one, have you on the show and, and be part of this. Crowdsec.net, y'all, go check it out. You, you guys don't want to don't let free open source tools slip by the wayside. Um, adopt them, bring them in, study them, be part of that, contribute to it. Um, and and little do you know, your posture is going to be much, much better because of it. Uh, much, much better because of it. Um, when we give to the community, the community tends to give back. That's That's been my rule of thumb. That's so true, James. It is. All right, y'all. That's it for our show uh, this awesome Friday. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for being part of it. Philippe, thank you so much for, for everything, buddy. I really appreciate it. Anyone, uh, go follow crowdsec.net. Again, that's C-R-O-W-D-S-E-C.net, not com, not I-O, net. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well so everyone who's listening on your favorite podcast listening platform can just easily click a link and get there. Um, um, one last thing, gang. Um, you know, being that that I've had my, my friend from uh, France here on the show, I will say that um, global partnerships are so critical to dealing with these threat actors. One thing most people aren't aware of, but if you spend a little bit of time in counter intel, is the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and the North Koreans, they, they trade quite often. 
Um, and they also trade attribution, by the way. Like Sony was attributed to North Korea. It really wasn't. It wasn't the North Koreans. It was someone else. They couldn't. They tried to get money out of Sony. Sony wouldn't do it. So they sold it to the North Koreans. And it, it happened to be because the North Koreans were pissed at Sony for making the movie with uh, James Franco and, uh, and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Seth Rogen on, uh, on uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, the interview where they were making fun of the North Korean dictator. So like attribution and globalism, they, they work together. They're all, they're obviously sharing tools and Intel. We need to do the same. Um, that's the only way we stand a chance to win this because we're greater by numbers, like Philippe said, but we got to also co- combine those numbers uh, to, to make it worthwhile. All right, y'all that's it for our show. We'll be back on Monday with a whole lot more until then. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Philippe. Thank you. Um, thank you. Bonsoir, monsieur, uh, and see y'all later. Bonsoir. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.